Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, welcome back into the Nick Bob podcast. I am taping this. It is Saturday, March 25th. The sun came up this morning and Creighton is in the Elite Eight. Eight teams are left standing, and Creighton is one of them. Creighton is 40 minutes away from the Final Four. It's exciting. It's incredible. It is historic. I am sipping my cold brew coffee, and I cannot believe that I sat down to cook up a little. You know, in my mind, I was like, all right, just do a little quick game recap, quick San Diego State preview. I wrote 14 pages. (laughs) I wrote wrote 14 pages for you guys. So I'm going to try to hammer through this thing. I'm all hopped up on basketball vibes and now caffeine with my cold brew coffee. So, you know, let's let's do this thing here. We'll we'll take a look back on uh, the Sweet 16 win and then look at at San Diego State. Uh, So Creighton wins. Beats Princeton 86-75. And I joked with, I said this to Coach McDermott after the game, I was like, that was one of the most stressful 11-point wins I can remember in a long time. And I suppose that's kind of the nature of the NCAA tournament. When the deeper you get, everything feels like the weight of the world is resting on every possession, every four-minute segment, every missed shot, every made shot. It, It all takes on a greater importance because of what's on the line, you know. But that game... Man, there were moments like when it was 24 to 16 in the first half that I thought Creighton was on the brink of hammering Princeton. And then there were moments where I thought Creighton was in big time trouble, big time on the ropes when they trailed Princeton by 4 late in the first half. I mean that that the the pendulum swung pretty good emotionally just in the first, you know, 15-16 minutes of that game. Very back and forth affair where momentum kind of swung back and forth early. So I told you guys in the Princeton preview podcast that Princeton was unique and different enough to give Creighton major issues. And they did. Those issues reared their ugly head in the first half. Awoma, number 20, Princeton's best player, is a baller. He gave Creighton major headaches. He finished with 24 points and nine assists. He is a tough matchup. Creighton tried a bunch of guys on him. Kaluma, Kalkbrenner, Shireman, Frederick King. And for the most part, Awoma had a lot of success, especially early in that game. And then Princeton's actions away from the ball, you know, with backdoor cuts, flares, and pin downs into handoffs, all that Princeton-type action, gave Creighton some, some headaches as well defensively. And... There were in in that. So let's just talk about the first half here. In, in that game, there were a, there was a pretty good stretch where n- neither team could stop the other. Neither team, their defense was just went out the window. Creighton was scoring at will, built an eight point lead. Creighton was get getting anything they wanted, layups, open threes, anything they wanted. Princeton was really worried about Kalkbrenner on the roll. So, you know, R2, Ryan Nemhard, Shireman, the different ball handlers had easy drives for layups off ball screens. And then, you know, Princeton started collapsing. And so the kickout threes were there and Creighton made them. You know, it's funny. I kept telling John Bishop, 
during the game and during commercial breaks, I'm like, John, there's no reason for Creighton to take a quick contested shot. Like if, if Creighton just works the ball around, gets it swung from side to side, runs a couple of different screening actions, they're going to get anything they want. And for a good stretch in that first half, Creighton was doing that to the point where they built an eight-point lead and it felt like Creighton was ready to totally grab the, the steering wheel and drive away from Princeton. But then the game kind of flipped. And there was a seven or eight minute stretch where Creighton's defense was just a mess. Looked like my Mava and Max playroom, just with Legos and stuffed it, just crap everywhere. It was a mess. Princeton was carving Creighton up. And it was all easy baskets. It was layups, shots at the rim. And a lot of that had to do with the combination of the unique offense that Princeton runs that Creighton hadn't seen all year combined with the unique skill set and talent of an individual player in Awoma. And that combination got Creighton pretty messy. Creighton was all pressed out and spread out, which opened up the lane for drives for Awoma to attack the rim, and it opened up the backdoor cuts for some of the Princeton actions, and just it opened up the, the, the rim in general. And... I felt like for the for the first time in the entire tournament, there was a stretch where there was a look on Creighton's face that I hadn't really seen all year on the players' faces. They looked a little wide-eyed for that stretch. And I can't express how much it felt like Creighton was outnumbered fan-wise in the arena in terms of who was cheering for Princeton. I, you know, we talked about it in the in the preview pod. John and I, John Bishop and I, talked about it in our in the conversation leading up to the game. All the S- San Diego State fans, all the Alabama fans, any casual fan that was in that arena that wasn't a Creighton fan was going to be rooting for the Cinderella Princeton, and that was real, and you could feel it because it got loud in the KFC Yum Center in Louisville during that run for Princeton. And I'm not gonna lie, I got I got really nervous. For Creighton, I kept on assuming that Creighton would settle in in that first half defensively and kind of find their groove. I figured that the unique Princeton offense would take maybe a, you know four or five minutes to settle in against it and get used to it, but it wasn't happening. And he kept waiting for it to happen, and Creighton got on the ropes. Creighton went from up eight in the first half to down four in about a seven-minute stretch. And I'll say this, though. You know who never was wide-eyed? And you know who never flinched? Was Greg McDermott. That's one of the benefits of being in the arena when you're calling these games is, you know, when you're watching TV, you're at the mercy of what the camera's showing you. I kept peeking at the bench and kept peeking at Greg McDermott. During, during Princeton's run, dude was calm. He never once appeared to panic or freak out or show any sort of negative emotion. And I actually think that helped things out dramatically. I've always said one of the best gifts, Greg McDermott's got a lot of gifts as a coach. One of his best gifts is he has a great sense of what his team needs emotionally. He's got a great finger on the pulse of his collective group and I think he knew there are times where where you do need to jump guys you know and get into them and there are times you just got to go hey 
just brief. Because when all of a sudden you're on the ropes to the Cinderella of the tournament and they're scoring on you and the crowd is starting to roar against you, it's huge for your leader to show some poise. And it's also huge for your best player to wake the f- up. Ryan Kalkbrenner needed to wake up. And I kept saying on the air and during commercials to Bishop on the call, what is with Kalkbrenner? He honestly, for, for the first 15 minutes of that first half, he looked like he did in November when he was sick. Like he was slow. He looked heavy legged, no emotion, no fire, no energy, very stoic. He just had zero juice. Creighton needed him to wake up. And boy, did he finally wake up and rise up. Because here comes the stretch that wins the game for Creighton. 325 mark of the first half. Under four media timeout. Princeton led Creighton 38-35. to The Nick Bob Podcast is powered by Runza. You know, there are a lot of ways to, to greet someone. Hey, hi, hello, what's up? Another way is, what's popping? Well, here's the thing. That greeting has taken on a new meaning now because the answer to what's popping is now Runza's new popcorn chicken. That's what's popping. Runza's new popcorn chicken is amazing. Little, bite-sized, delicious, all-white meat chicken that make any day better immediately i love them my wife loves them my kids cannot get enough two-year-old mac six-year-old mava are constantly wanting to get it popping great for a snack great for a meal pair them with the best crinkle fries on planet earth and you are set all i gotta say is you need to get out to a Runza location nearest you and get it popping. What's so hard to understand about that? Get it popping with Runza's all-new popcorn chicken. Runza makes it all better. From that point on, the next 10 minutes and 57 seconds of the game, so about 11 minutes, Creighton proceeded to thoroughly kick Princeton's ass. Creighton went from down three with 325 left in the first half to up 16 at the 12:28 mark of the second half. So in that almost 11-minute stretch, Creighton outscored Princeton 33-14. to And my friends, that stretch won the game for Creighton. And during that stretch, Ryan Kalkbrenner woke up. Kalkbrenner, during that 10- or 11-minute stretch, scored 14 points. And at one point, in the final 90 seconds of the first half and in the first couple minutes of the second half, Kalkbrenner scored 12 straight points for Creighton. He had the transition three-point play, the early post-up layup from Shireman, then a post-up where he got fouled towards the end of the half and he made two free throws. No, that was a, it was a baseline out of bounds. They tried to throw a lob over the top and Kalkbrenner caught it and, and he went up and got fouled and he went to the line and made two free throws. And then in the second half, he gets a layup to start the second half. And then you have the Showtime lob dunk alley-oop three-point play. And then another layup. Kalkbrenner went from a non-factor to a dominant beast. And he's a guy. Kalkbrenner's a guy. 
take a sip of my cold brew coffee, guys. Bear with me. Cole Brenner is a guy that needs to play with emotion. There are some players that the more emotional they get, the worse they play. It's the complete opposite for Kalkbrenner, in my opinion. To me, the more emotional he gets, the better he plays. I think the transition three-point play with 126 left in the first half woke up Dragon Kalkbrenner. That's my new name for him. You need Dragon Kalkbrenner. He started talking shit. He started barking at Princeton's players and bench. Started demanding the basketball. He started screaming at his teammates. He started chest bumping guys. He started he started breathing that fire. He was dominant. After that three-point play, Nemhard, great little lead pass, catches it, goes through the contact. That play awoken Dragon Kalkbrenner. And then that stretch won the game for the Blue Jays. Went from down three with 325 left in the first half, down 38-35, to up 68-52 with 12-28 left in the second half. 33-14 run for the Blue Jays, and Kalk, Dragon Kalk, was big time during that one, during that run. Oh, and by the way, Princeton had to use all their timeouts during that run as well. You know, so Coach Henderson, he was, they, they were calling timeouts, it didn't matter. Creighton was rolling. Now, to be fair, Creighton did then kind of limp to the finish line. <laughs> Princeton searching for answers after, you know, with the 33 to 14 run against them, threw a 1 3 1 zone at Creighton, and boy, did Creighton handle it terribly. Creighton got on their heels. They couldn't get it into the paint or inside. They did what you just don't want to do, or they just played catch. It was like Nemhard and Alexander, or Nemhard and Shireman. They just played catch with lob passes back and forth from sideline to sideline about 35 feet from the hoop. Put a, they put a Woma at 6'8 at the top of that 1-3-1, one, one, and Creighton got on their heels, and Princeton started to crawl back. Now, I will say this, though. If you go back and watch, Creighton got two pretty good clean looks from three right away against the zone, and I really think that if Creighton hits one of those two threes, it could have spooked Princeton out of the one three one because that's not what they want to do, and they could have gone back man. But Creighton missed him, and, and Creighton got tight, and Creighton struggled. But ultimately, Creighton made enough plays down the stretch to hang on, including some huge ones from Arthur Kaluma. His Kaluma's save of the ball going out of bounds on the baseline when the lead was, I think it was at like at eight, his save out to Trey Alexander for a three, might have saved the game. Kaluma also got a big three-point play in a little post-up inside, ran a little blast play to, to, to screen the bottom of that 1-3-1 one, one for, a, for a, an and one. And then Kaluma poked the ball away from Princeton on an offensive rebound late in the game as well. So Kaluma's hustle plays might have saved the game from it getting real problematic down the stretch. Plus, Baylor Shireman's bank three was a big one as well. I think that pushed the lead from eight to 11 was a big one. Just like Creighton made some big, some whether it was Kaluma's save to Trey Alexander for a three, Shireman's bank three, like just enough to kind of like just keep pushing Princeton away, keeping that lead around that like eight to 10, eight to 11 point mark. 
So multiple guys had their hands in this thing, including Arthur Kaluma. I'll go through kind of personnel in a second on, on what I saw from those guys. But, the, but again, the 33-14 to 14 run ten, in 10 minutes and 57 seconds of game time won the game for, the, for, for Creighton. 325 mark, Creighton down three. Kalk wakes up. Dragon Kalkbrenner starts flying around. King's Landing and just breathing fire on people. It's a Game of Thrones reference for the kids that don't know. The defense tightened up. They defended Awoma better. They handled the action away from the ball better in the Princeton stuff. Rebounded the ball. Excellent. Creighton took complete control of the game with the 33-14 run to make it 68-52 with 12-28 to go in the second half. That stretch was the stretch that won the game. Okay, let's go through some personnel. Uh, Baylor Shireman, he was the MVP of the game in my opinion. 21 points, 9 rebounds, 4 assists. 8 8 of 11 from the floor, 5 of 7 from 3. It was funny, before the game, Bishop asked me uh, as we were doing the pregame if there was kind of a pick-to-click or a guy that needed to play well before the game. And and one of the first names I threw at him was Baylor Shireman. I just figured Creighton was going to get some open threes with how Princeton was going to be defending things and felt like Shireman needed to shoot it well, and he did. And this is a guy that, that Shireman's a guy that she shot 47% from three last year. Shireman's a much better shooter than he's shown for most of the year. And he shot it great against Princeton and was a stud. Like you watch that game, that, that game was why you go into the portal and you go get Baylor Shireman as a transfer. Big time performance for Shireman. Kalkbrenner, we talked about him, but he went from sleepwalking to dominating the game. I thought he looked awful for the first 15 minutes of the game. Then he finally got the and one, started talking shit, and it was on from that point. Finished with 22 points, 9-12 from the floor, 5 rebounds. You need Dragon Kalkbrenner to be around for all 40 minutes from here on out. Kaluma, what a stud. His final box score doesn't wow you. 10.6 rebounds, but his two hustle plays, the save... On the baseline to Trey Alexander for a three and the poke steal offensive rebound, those two plays might have saved the game for Creighton. Kaluma's kind of been Mr. Dirty Work so far in the tournament and has been really important. Trey Alexander, kind of a quiet 19 points for Trey. You know you're pretty good when you score 19 points in the Sweet 16 and people aren't like gushing over you. But Trey Alexander's pretty solid. Shot up decent, 6 of 11 from the floor, 3 of 7 from 3. For what it's worth... Trey Alexander had the best plus-minus of anyone for that game. He was plus 19 in 35 minutes. You need his shot-making. You need his one-on-one playmaking. You need his perimeter defense. He was pretty good in that game. Ryan Nemhard, it was an interesting game for him. It wasn't his best game after his career best game against Baylor, but he was solid. I mean, his stat line's not bad. Nine points, eight assists, four rebounds. That's not bad. Got into foul trouble a little bit. Had a couple of weird fouls. Um, but it's it's hard. You know, it's frustrating. After only turning it over one time against NC State and Baylor in the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament, he turned it over four times against Princeton. But Nemhard was solid. Farabello, solid 20 minutes from him. He, he did knock down a three. He was one for three from three. He got three pretty good looks. He made a great pass to Frederick King in the first half for a dunk. Need, need uh, Farabello to stay hot from three, but, but Bello was solid. Frederick King, tell you what, man, his minutes were pretty dang good. Two points, three rebounds, two blocks, had that big dunk in the first half, had two blocks on a Woma defending him. Not bad for Big Fred. So there you go. Creighton beats Princeton. 
They're in the Elite Eight, and now they got a date with San Diego State with a trip to the Final Four on the line. So now let's shift gears to talk about the Aztecs of San Diego State. So like most of you know, the connections with this San Diego State team are are very interesting. The Dick Bob Podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors, and I want to talk to you guys about energy efficiency. And if you go into Pella's website right now, you look at it, and how about this? One, two, three, four, five different types of windows or doors by Pella won the Energy Star 2020 Most Energy Efficient Award. That's big-time stuff right there. And they achieved that in a couple of waves. They got insulated glass, which slows the heat transfer, keeping your home at a more comfortable temperature. They got types of low-E glass, which is a glass coating that has been optimized for your climate. They got triple pane glass, which you can upgrade to for increased insulating airspace. And within all of that, one of the keys is proper installation, which is key for window and doors to perform at their best. And you know the Pella experts are excellent at that. Bottom line, energy efficiency matters in making your home more comfortable. And Pella windows and doors are at the top of the line when it comes to energy efficiency. Check them out online, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. Uh, Creighton beat San Diego State in the first round of the NCAA tournament last year in overtime. Arthur Kaluma's brother, Adam Seiko, plays for San Diego State. So you got a little family affair. And then Creighton and San Diego State shared a charter jet to Maui this last November. So on, on one side of the plane, it was Creighton. On the other side, it was San Diego State. I hope there was like beef in a fight for like the exit row. Nathan Menza and Kalkbrenner got into a fight for it. I don't know. I wish. We can dream, right? And now here they are staring at each other about to battle in the Elite Eight. Pretty wild. Real quick on that on the matchup last year in the NCAA tournament, I had kind of forgotten. I, I, I knew I had kind of forgotten about some of the ins and outs of that game. And the reason I bring up that game is because it's it's largely the same guys on the floor from last year's game in Fort Worth in the first round to now this year's Elite Eight game in in Louisville. Nine combined players, six for San Diego State and three for Creighton, played in that game last year and will play in the Elite Eight game this year on Sunday. But in that game, I don't know if people really remember, people may forget, Creighton was down 35-21 to late in the first half in that game. Creighton trailed... San Diego State 62 to 53 with three minutes and 21 seconds left in the game. In fact, I was looking at it today. Ken Palm actually had Creighton with a 2.1% chance of winning at that point, 60, down 62 53 with 321 left. And yet the comeback cardiac kids of last year, shouts out to Hawk and AOC and all those guys, Keyshawn Fizel, they found a way to rally and get it to overtime. They lose Kalkbrenner at the end of regulation to that knee injury. And they found a way to grind out a win with Trey Alexander kind of being the hero down the stretch in crunch time. So these teams got a little history. They're pretty familiar with with each other. And I'll tell you right now, this game's pretty straightforward. Because San Diego State's pretty straightforward. San Diego State is strong. They're physical, they're mature, they're rough, they're tough, they're experienced, they're older. And San Diego State is one of those teams that would love nothing more than to drag your ass into a street alley and throw you into a dumpster after punching you in the face for 40 minutes. 
watching San Diego State courtside last year and then sitting courtside and watching them beat Alabama, San Diego State is one of the best half-court defenses in the country and without question, one of the most physical teams in the country. Like I think of teams like uh, Tennessee or UConn's a physical team, but like those kinds of teams, and then I throw San Diego State right there in terms of just raw physicality. I can't express to you guys how physical and tough and strong San Diego State is in person. So that is what this game really comes down to. When you watch San Diego State play, there should almost be one of those TV announcements, you know, before a show starts. Warning, the following is intended for mature audiences only. Viewer discretion is advised. Welcome to San Diego State basketball. Like, that's what this is. Like, before you play San Diego State, there should almost be like a waiver you sign. (laughs) Before you step on the floor, it's like, hey, just so you know, warning, this game's for grown-ass men. Some of these dudes out here are going to rock you, push you around, hit you. You you sign here? You good? That's that's what this team is. This is going to be a black and blue kind of a game. San Diego State's the fourth best defense in the country, according to Ken Palm. They're the third best Three-point defensive field goal percentage team in the country, according to Ken Palm. They have the 20th best effective field goal percentage in the country, according to Ken Palm. They're plus 4.4 rebounding margin on the season. They force 13 turnovers a game. So to me, the first order of business in this game is for Creighton to be ready for San Diego State's physicality. In the paint, it's a war. Pressure on the basketball. San Diego State is tough and scrappy. Lamont Butler, those guys, they are going to get into the ball. The Aztecs do a, a really good job of sitting in the driving gaps and swiping at the ball on dribble drives, but it's amazing how they're able to do that, be hot on the ball, but also get back to the three-point line where, like I said, they're third in the country in three-point defense. Against Alabama... They did a great job defensively on a variety of levels. They shut down a top five pick in Brandon Miller, who was, they held Brandon Miller to three of 19 from the floor. And they held Alabama, one of the most explosive offenses in the country, to 64 points. And keep this in mind, Alabama loves the three ball. 47% of Bama shots are threes. That's ninth in the country. Bama gets 36% of their points from the three-point line. That's top 40 in the country. And San Diego State held Alabama to three for 27 from three. So San Diego State is big time on defense in a variety of areas. They're good at defending the three. They're really physical on the ball and in the paint. And they just have strong bodies across the board. So Creighton's got to be ready for a fist fight. Can't back down. Can't shy away from contact. Got to be ready for it. So that's the first thing that you, you got you got to get in the right frame of mind. Princeton was going to be a, you know, Princeton was going to be kind of a finesse game and a pretty game and all that stuff. This game is totally different. Looking at some other, you know, keys, concerns, points of emphasis, all those kinds of things, whatever you want to call them. Just I wrote down a handful of things. Uh, first thing I wrote down was turnovers. Big concern. San Diego State's physical on the ball. They get into the ball handler. We've talked about this, whether it was in the NC State game, the Baylor game, 
Creighton has had moments where they've been a little soft with the ball at times and, and coughed it up a little bit. Need a good, clean game handling the ball. Nemhard needs to lead the charge there because he's the point guard and he's got the ball in his hands a lot. But you got to have Nemhard handling the ball. You got to have good hard cuts where wings are getting open so you can enter offense, right? You can't do that half-assed like V-cut to, you know, which you can't have a Shireman and Alexander do like a weak, hey, throw it here, here, hit me on the wing. You know, no. Hard cuts, get open, meet the pass, handle the ball. That's the first thing I wrote down. Second thing I wrote down, and I hate that I did this, but the second thing I wrote down was officiating. I hate talking about refs. I hate talking about officials. I really do. But how this game is officiated could be really important. Are the refs going to let San Diego State turn this into UFC 225 and let San Diego State be uber physical and put their hands on the ball handler and chuck and bump cutters and all that? Or are they going to call it tight? telling you right now the tighter they call this game the better officiating is going to be important next thing I wrote down was rebounding and pace these two are going to kind of go hand in hand for me the first thing is Creighton needs to gang rebound and battle the big physical athletic bodies for San Diego State on the glass and they got a lot of them man Johnson Menza Ladee like they got a lot of dudes that are flying in there can't get hammered on the glass. Creighton's been good on the defensive glass all year. Need another gang rebounding effort because it's going to be a war in the paint. And then the second part of that, which is kind of basically another key, is pace, pace, pace. Creighton has to try to speed this game up. And the biggest and best way to do that is rebounding the ball defensively. You can't run unless you rebound. San Diego State wants a slower, grinder, physical, methodical game where they are keeping their opponent in the half court. Creighton needs to try to fight that. Creighton needs to try to get the pace of the game up. Size and physicality can get a little neutralized in a faster-paced, open-floor game. Let me repeat that. Size and physicality can get a little neutralized in a fast-paced, open-floor kind of game. The more Creighton can run, the better. But it all starts with rebounding. Plus, you know, along the lines with pace and just kind of getting the game rolling a little bit, the San Diego State team isn't a great offensive team. Like, if you look at it, This is the worst offense left in the Elite Eight by a wide margin, according to Ken Palm's offensive efficiency rankings. So the the higher scoring this thing gets, the more it favors Creighton. San Diego State wants this thing in the high 50s, low 60s. If it gets gets in the 70s, 75, like Creighton's going to win the game. Not saying Creighton can't win a grinder. They can but you want to try to increase the pace of this game. The, the other thing I wrote down, and I feel like I've done this for every game. I shouldn't say I feel like I have. I know I have. The three-point line is going to be big again. San Diego State is not a great three-point shooting team, and they're really good at defending the three. I think Creighton's got to win the three-point battle. Now, it's going to be hard because, of, like I said, San Diego State's third in the country in three-point defense. 
But San Diego State has one 40% three-point shooter, Seiko. That's Kaluma's brother. But other than that, it's a lot of low to mid-30s percentage guys who, you know, listen, your percentage, you are which kind of percentage says you are, but they're, some of these guys are capable, but they're not great from three. You got to force some of those guys to make some threes and then just kind of hope that they don't have a hot day, right? Greg McDermott's a play the, he's a play the numbers guy. You'd much rather have San Diego State settling for perimeter jump shots than attacking the paint, drawing fouls, getting into the lane, getting to the rim. And then Creighton's got to find a way to get some some threes to go down against a, a really good three-point defense team in, in San Diego State. But Alexander, Shireman, Farabello, Nemhard, Kaluma in, in the right looks, those guys got to knock down their open three-point opportunities because their open looks could be few and far between. Because in some ways it could be tough sledding to score at the paint, you know, in the paint and at the rim because of just the size and physicality of San Diego State. So the shooters need to make their clean looks. You get some open looks, you got to knock them down. But that's, again, where I think transition could be big. I think Creighton could find some threes in transition, could find some threes in the open floor. So I think the three-point line is going to be important. And then Ryan Kalkbrenner has got to have a hell of a day. That was the last thing I wrote down. You, you need him to battle the big bodies inside for San Diego State, protect the rim, score at the rim. He did score on San Diego State at the rim last year. He had 16 points. He drew fouls. So, you know, not only is Kalkbrenner Creighton's best player, so naturally you need your stud and your star to play well in big games, but I think it's even, it's even more important given the matchup of how physical and strong San Diego State is. Like, I just struggle to see a world where Kalkbrenner struggles and Creighton wins this game, given the matchup. Because if Kalkbrenner struggles, that means they're probably getting pounded inside. So you need a good day from him, and I think you will get a good day from him. So those are some, some key things that, that jumped out at me as I wrote down. Some personnel thoughts on both sides as I kind of rapid fire my way th- to the finish line here. Baylor Shireman, got to make your open threes and you need another great day rebounding defensively against San Diego State. Need another day where Shireman's a monster on the defensive glass. Trey Alexander, he's Creighton's best one-on-one driver and scorer, which I think could be big in this game. San Diego State makes you use a lot of the clock on offense. Trey is the best late clock playmaker, late shot clock scorer on this roster. I could see a lot of times where shot clock getting inside of 10 and Trey's got to go get busy. Need him to have a good day driving and creating. He did last year against San Diego State, 18 points. He was the hero in crunch time. You need him to be great again, and you also need him helping out Nemhard, handling the ball and handling the pressure in the half court. Ryan Nemhard, handle the ball, be strong with the ball, push the pace whenever you get an opportunity to run. He sets the tone in that. Like, sure, again, like I said, you can't run unless you rebound, but when Nemhard runs, everybody else runs. When he doesn't quite commit to running, other guys won't run. When he gets that outlet, foot on the gas, big dog, run. Arthur Kaluma. Arthur is probably Creighton's best athlete, and San Diego State is super athletic. So you kind of need, like, Kaluma's athleticism in this game. Hustle plays, rebounds, flying around. And then you just need him to be smart offensively. Don't try to do too much, but just find the right spots where he can be aggressive to, to make things happen. 
Francisco Farabello, you know, come in there. Got to make your open three-point opportunities. Didn't be solid like he usually is. Be in the right places defensively. Take care of the ball. But when, when Bello gets his open looks, got to knock him down. Frederick King, you know, in his two to four minutes in this game or whatever it is, just go out there and fight your ass off, man. Fred better be ready for a war. When, when, he, when he comes in the game and Kalkbrenner goes to the bench, you need just – you can't let the score go the other way. If I'm Greg McDermott, I'm real – like, you, you got you to gotta be worried about those kinds of things. He needs to hold things down and not get beat up inside when, when Kalkbrenner goes and gets a Gatorade on the sidelines. Sharif Mitchell, just, you know, I mean, Reef is, do what you do, man. See if you can heat up Butler and Bradley and Tramel on the ball. You know, come in, empty the tank on the ball defensively. See if you can't come in there with your fresh legs and just heat up those guys. Personnel for San Diego State, like I said, they return a lot of the same core pieces, but they added three big pieces to their team. Darian Trammell, he's a transfer from, from Seattle, little 5'10 scoring guard. He is great in ball screen situations. He averaged 20 points per game as a freshman at Seattle and then averaged 17 points per game as a sophomore. Like, he can really score. So you got to be ready to guard him and contain him. He was a big pickup for them because San Diego State was a little offensively challenged a year ago, and he's helped in that regard. Micah Parrish, 6'6", wing, transfer from Oakland. Solid defender, solid player. Shouldn't say solid defender, really good defender. Capable scorer. He's helped them out on the wing. Jaden Ledee, 6'9", TCU transfer. Great. Not a good, a great athlete. He hasn't made a three all year. He's 0 for 9 from three, but he's a rim rocker, rebounder, athletic dude. Those are the three newbies for San Diego State. And then they returned their core from last year. Matt Bradley, you remembered him, a big-bodied, strong-as-shit guard who can score. He, he can, he's good in that mid-range, which is a little worrisome for me because what Creighton likes to, to invite people to shoot is that little 14-foot pull-up, right? Here comes a ball screen, Kalkbrenner's in drop coverage. I think Bradley's best shot is that like free-throw line pull-up. Got to contain him. I don't know if that's going to be probably Alexander, but you got to fight through those screens and at least feel him on, like Bradley's got to feel Alexander fighting through those picks where he's not just easily sizing up those 15-foot jumpers. Lamont Butler, I'm a Lamont Butler fan. He's just a junkyard dog, good, tough player. Low 30s, three-point shooter, but not awful. He's a really solid player for them. Adam Seiko, I, we told you about him. He's Arthur Kaluma's brother. He's a 40% three-point shooter. He's strong, just a kind of a stocky guard. He's tough. He's a good defensive player. Like He guarded Brandon Miller a little bit when he came in the game against Alabama. Nathan Menza, long athletic shot blocker. Not a very good offensive scorer, but he's your typical shot-blocking big athletic five. Keyshawn Johnson, freaky athlete, freaky. He, he's a forward at 6'7", that's not overly skilled, but he's active and he's athletic. And then Agueca Rope, he's from Omaha South. Everybody remembers him. But another strong four-man who battles and does the dirty work for, for San Diego State. So that's kind of the, the San Diego State personnel quick rundown. But I think the guards are the most important guys defensively for, for Creighton. Matt Bradley and Darian Trammell, it starts there defensively. You contain those two guys, I think San Diego State's going to have a hard time scoring more than 60 points in my opinion.
That's just how I see it. So Trey Alexander and Ryan Nemhard got to be ready to fly around and defend again, just like they did against NC State's guards and Baylor's guards. These guys, these guys meaning the San Diego State guys, Trammell and Bradley, they aren't three-point gunners like, you know, Tecravion Smith or Flagler and those guys were, but, uh, but the mindset has to be the same. You, you, you got to, like, I, we bragged on how, you know, Alexander and Nemhard and those guys, the way they fought in the half court through screens to, to contain the Baylor guards was just admirable. You need that same school of thought in this game. Got to accept the challenge and guard those two guys. Because I think if you contain those two guys, you're in a really, really good spot. So there you go. Creighton, I saw at least the opening line, they were favored by one and a half. So, you know, it's, it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be a war. I think Creighton's going to win this game, though. I think they're going to win this game. But it's going to be a, it's going to be hell for 40 minutes. And it's funny. You talk to a lot of people. I, I even experienced it as a player my freshman year at Kansas. In a weird way, the energy and the, mo- and the emotion of a regional final, anybody that's ever been to a regional final, an Elite Eight game with a trip to the Final Four on the line, in some ways that's the most intense game of the tournament. Because there's almost like getting to the final four. That's not like a, you know, that's that's everybody's, every, you know, people have national championship aspirations, but getting to the final four is like, I'm not saying you, you get there and you go, oh, it's all gravy from there, but I think you guys get what I'm saying. I've been to a couple regional finals. Again, I was on the Kansas team. We lost in the Elite Eight to in overtime to Jarrett Jack and Georgia Tech in, in the Elite. Like a regional final is something, man. When you got a final four trip on the line, that it's intensity ensues. So Creighton better be in the right frame of mind emotionally and physically for this game. Creighton takes care of the ball, rebounds the ball, gets the pace of the game up a bit, finds some bucket and buckets in transition, contain the two guards and Tremel and Bradley, win the three point line and get a good day from Dragon Kalkbrenner. I think if Creighton checks a lot of those boxes, I think Creighton's winning this game. This will be a war, though. Pretty incredible. Creighton is 40 minutes from the Final Four. Everything you got in the tank, let it out. Let it out. And you don't want to get too reflective as you're still in the midst of it, but, you know, I mean, this program has been good for a long time. And they've hit big checkpoints. Along the la- along recently and over the last you know 10, 15 years, you know national player of the year, multiple conference defensive players of the year, Big East regular season title, Sweet Sixteen, check, Elite Eight, check. The next logical one to check is a Final Four. We all knew this team had had this kind of aspirations and capabilities heading into the season, and here they are. This team is right where they're supposed to be. Like Kyle, Kyle Corver was, was in the house, and Corver talked to the team before the game. He had a great message. Corver told the team before the game, life doesn't always give you a day where you can make history. Well, life is giving Creighton that day right now, and they've earned it. Now it's time to go take it and make it.
Elite Eight, Creighton, San Diego State, trip to the Final Four on the line. What a time to be alive. A Heard at Sports Network production.